Okay, so I wish that I was um, preaching to you right now because I love to preach. I get to share with you today about Montana Bible College's finances. Doesn't that sound exciting? Um, this is a topic, though, that definitely impacts all of us, uh, you and me both. So let's get right after it. I'm trying to get a PowerPoint going here a second. I want to give you a quick outline of where we're heading. Thanks, you guys. I'm going to talk about some values that Montana Bible College holds financially. I want to give you an understanding of how the college's finances work. Maybe that's been a big question mark. Where does all that tuition money go anyway? And strategy. What are we trying to do as a college? Where are we going financially? So those are the things that I want to go after today with you. So we'll begin with values. I want to talk about a few of them that the school holds. You know this one already, a no debt uh, value that we have. And you know uh, Mark Omnerud is here with us again today and from his uh, chapel just a couple of weeks ago. You know how strongly that's embedded in the DNA of this college because there's history there. And they've said, we need to learn from past mistakes. We're not going to end up in a place of debt as a school, but also we're not going to have our students end in a place of debt because we don't want a bunch of you graduating and then finding out that you can't go do ministry because you're paying off school loans. I ran into a youth pastor in Bozeman. This has been a number of years back. And I had never met him before and was just getting to know him. And we're having this neat conversation. And he was telling me about how he and his wife were planning to go to the mission field in South America. And she was um, from there. She was, I can't remember what country it was right off the top of my head now. But she was native born there, and so they had married, and they wanted to go back to that country. And I said, wow, that's so exciting. When are you going? And he said, I think it'll be about 20 years. And I said, why? If you know this is what God's calling you to do, why? And he said, because that's how long it'll take me to pay off my school loans. And as he shared with me, he shared about all this frustration that he was having as a youth pastor. And I thought, no wonder, because you're called to missions and you're stuck doing something you're not called to do. So no debt is such a huge value for us, and we want that to be passed on to you. We want the school to be affordable. We believe, especially if we're going to have a no debt policy, that it has to be affordable. And we know that's hard. It's a stretch. You're looking at me going, affordable? I'm struggling to afford. Um, but let me try to put that in perspective for you for just a second. These numbers are two years old now, and I didn't have time yesterday to update them. This is Montana Bible College compared to other Bible colleges. Sinking in? This, whoops, I had one more slide. I went the wrong way. This is Montana Bible College compared to Montana State University. This is in-state right now. This is out-of-state, okay? We're trying to make this affordable so that you can do this without debt. And it's a tough thing to do, um, to hold that tuition down there, to keep our costs low. But um, feel free to check around. Go shopping for Bible colleges, and you'll see that we're coming in as a, as a good deal. It's going to be hard to find competition at the price point we have, okay? The only college I know of that beats us in our region and around here is uh, Frontier School of the Bible down in Wyoming, and they're a very different animal in the fact that they, number one, do not offer a four-year accredited bachelor's degree. And secondly, 
all of their staff have to be missionary supported. It's an entirely different model. They all have to raise support and make that work in that way. So we don't want to burden down our staff in that way. So those two values. The value of integrity in fundraising is so critical. If we are going to ask people in God's kingdom to partner with us in helping this ministry happen, and you're going to see in a minute how that works to help fund your education, because believe me, you don't pay for all of it, we need to have the utmost impeccable integrity in the way that we do that because we always want to do what's honoring to the Lord, um, what is being able to be respected by the eyes of people. If you want to go to 2 Corinthians chapters 8 and 9, you'll find great scriptural support for that idea of the integrity and in fundraising from the Apostle Paul himself. And love. You say, how is this a money value, Ryan? I think it's a money value because love treats us, I'm sorry, teaches us to treat others well, to treat them rightly, whether they are our students, whether they're our staff and faculty members who we have to pay, whether they're the donors who support the school, love teaches us to treat others in the right way, to do that well. So those are some values, and I think we could list a few more, but in particular, as they relate to finances, those are critical values that Montana Bible College holds and I want you to understand that they form the backdrop to other things. Now, let's give you some understanding. What happens with money around here? What happens at this school for the finances? Let me tell you this much right now. From a human standpoint, okay, and we're not going to operate from a human standpoint, just so you know. But from a human standpoint, this is a really bad time to be in business as a Bible college, just so you know. Uh, if you were going to go out and try to make some money you would not go start a Bible college. You get that, okay? It's not going to happen. There are cultural factors at play right now. Colleges in general are really struggling for enrollment. Just a couple of years ago in the United States, there was 20 million college students. Right now, there are 18 million. That's a 10% reduction. So if you just go to every college, secular, private, doesn't matter, and you just say, we're just going to take your enrollment down by 10%, do you think that makes everybody happy? If you're dependent on student revenue as a school, that's going to be a hard hit. Just take 10% off your budget. Bang. Um, so that's just a reality that we're dealing with, and it hits some parts of the country harder than others. But it hits Bible colleges harder than secular colleges. Do you know why? Because there's also cultural factors at play. If you haven't noticed, the United States doesn't happen right now to be a culture where the gospel is just exploding where people are coming to faith in Christ in droves, where they want to be trained and they're hungry for Bible college education. If you haven't noticed, you have made a choice in being here that wasn't the mainstream choice. And I'm glad you did. It was maybe the, one of the best choices. I almost said the best. Probably not the best. One of the best choices you'll have ever made in your life to have chosen, uh, shall we say, the road less traveled, Robert Frost, all right? Um, he'd probably not like me pulling him out of context quite like that. Let's talk about income for a moment. Um, Montana Bible College has a budget that is basically a $1 million budget, just shy of that right now, total. And so if you're looking at that and you say, how does this 
um, break down. Where does the income come from? Well, 50% of it, I mean, we're using round numbers, but they're really close. 50% of it comes from your tuition and fees. That's where half of the money comes from around here. Another 20% right here comes from housing. We're glad that you live in the dorms in that sense. It's, it's helpful, but it also is a blessing to you because it's cheaper housing than the open market in Bozeman. If you had to go and secure your own housing, you'd be paying a lot more than you would be living in the dorms. So it's a great deal. 15% of our budget is coming in from giving. That means people, individuals and churches who believe in the mission of this college are underwriting your education and my salary and every other salary around here. That's what they're doing. That giving is making a direct impact. A little chunk of this, 4%, comes from other, and that's like the little teeny bit of endowment we have and the income that comes from that and such. That comes from there. We sell you some coffee mugs. Woohoo! Big income, okay? That's, that's where that stuff comes in. And then right now, we have this piece, and that doesn't look very fun, does it? Um, a shortfall that's sitting there right now at 11%. Um, that means we're paying that out of money that we have saved called rainy day funds, which you're so thankful that you had a really wonderful board of directors who were wise in their financial management and have a cushion like that built so that you can do that. How about the other side of it, the expenses? Where does your money go? The biggest chunk right here, 63%, goes for the personnel, the people who work here. And that's a good thing. We'd rather invest in people than in buildings. We'd rather invest in people who love you and support you and teach you and disciple you than we would in infrastructure kinds of stuff and all that. So that's a good thing. That's what we would like to see. We want to see a high percentage that way. That's a, that's a healthy number, okay? After that, 10% of that money is what's called depreciation expense. That's the money you have to set aside in order to take care of replacement of everything as small as computers and copy machines to everything as large as parking lots and buildings. You have to replace things. They get old and they wear out over time. That's depreciation money. Any wise business needs depreciation money, and that happens. Now, I'll talk more about that in a minute. Infrastructure. 9% um, of our money is that. That means all your technical services, your internet provision, all that type of stuff. It means um, the biggest chunk of this money is the money we spend on the dorms. Electric, heating, um, upkeep, maintenance, fixing the dishwashers and the dryers and all of those things. That is the biggest chunk. About $60,000 a year goes into the maintenance and upkeep of the housing. So that's all infrastructure stuff. Administration is money that is spent um, in order to have accreditation. It's money that's spent in order to be um, a member of professional service stuff that we have. It's the money that we have to spend to have a financial audit every year, which we do, so that everything financially can be totally above board and can be publicly available and all of those things. That is money that we have to spend that way. That's administration. Recruitment over here comes in at 6%. And recruitment has to include not only the money we spend to actually like 
travel places and talk to people and that, but it's the money that actually pays Dan Hovestall's salary because out of the personnel, he doesn't count because he's an independent contractor from Montana Bible College. So that means his salary plus that is there. I got to tell you a really quick story on recruitment. We have an entire budget for recruitment of $60,000. That includes Dan's salary and all of his travel expenses, all of that, okay? I have a friend of mine who is actually a former youth group student of mine who is now the head of the recruitment department at a small college, uh, technical college, in the Tri-Cities, Washington area. And he was back home at the end of last summer, and we had dinner together with them and his wife and his little kids, and um, he was talking recruitment with me because that's what he does. That's, he heads up that department. And uh, we were talking about that, and he said, how much does Montana Bible College spend in recruitment? I said, we have an entire budget of $60,000. And he laughed out loud. I mean, belly laughed out loud. He thought that was the most ridiculous thing he'd ever heard of. He said, do you know what my recruitment budget is? What, do you know what I'm working with? $500,000. Every six weeks. They're on a six-week cycle. Okay, now he's got three small branch campuses that he's overseeing and all the recruitment for all of that. But they're buying TV ads and radio and they're doing all of that stuff, marketing all over the place. He just laughed when I told him $60,000 is what we spend in recruitment. Okay, put it in perspective. Scholarships. This is money that actually comes out of our general operating expenses that we give to support scholarships, like your church matching scholarships. This, is, this doesn't count money that individual people give that is designated to scholarships. Does that make sense? There's a difference? So this is general operating budget. 1% of this comes through events. That's your Christmas banquet. That's your graduation banquet and so forth. And then we have this little tiny other category, which ca catches a few miscellaneous things. Too small of categories to bother with right here. That's where your money goes. Um, here's how we're doing in the last few years. From a cash flow perspective, not counting depreciation. Remember I told you that depreciation money is the money you set aside? The last couple of years, we haven't really been able to set aside. We've been kind of going in the hole. We set aside $44,000 that year. And last year, after depreciation, we lost $25,000. Right now, this year, we would project about that for a loss at the end of this year. Uh, you can't do that for very long if you haven't figured that out in your own personal finances. Um, those, those rainy day funds that are sitting there, you can't keep bar taking those down and down and down or else pretty soon you don't have that. So that needs to change. Um, I need to show you how we plan to do that because that's important. The single most important factor that influences our budget is the FTE, that is full-time equivalency. That's how they count college attendance the most accurately. It's, it's a formula based on how many people are full-time and then how you divide out the part-time people. It's more accurate than a head count. And so right now, we are at 91% of the budget that we need. So that means shortfall right there. Next year, based on the budget that we project that I'll show you in a minute, if we have 75 full-time equivalents, we would be at 96% right there. That's getting better. If we hit 80 FTE, we'd be at 99%. 85 FTE, and suddenly we're at 102%, and we're putting those depreciation funds away like we ought to be. 
okay? That's where that means. That's where it goes. Cash flow-wise, as I just told you right now, we end up right here with a shortfall. Right here, we end up with a very small shortfall. Cash flow-wise, right here, we would actually be in positive territory. We'd set aside part of those depreciation funds, just not as much as we ought to. And here, we would set aside all of those depreciation funds and be okay. Okay? So that's, that's how big a difference it makes just the students by far. If you see that the revenue that comes in, 50% tuition, up to 70% with housing included, that's the biggest chunk of revenue. So the more students, the better the budget looks in that sense. And you can figure out that that makes good sense, I think. So uh, let me give you two other quick things. I want you to realize that it's a huge benefit to you to be sitting in this building right now. The fact that Grace Bible Church houses us, if you just do the math, it means that you're paying about $1,000 less in tuition than you would have otherwise if we want to make a balanced budget. What it's worth to the college to be in this building, what it, how much money that saves us. That's pretty cool. So be thankful that you're in the building, that you are. That's amazing. And it's one of the reasons... It's a huge way that we're partnered in God's kingdom to keep this education lower. That's why we're able, in one sense, to beat out some competition out there in terms of the price here, because that is a huge benefit to you. So that's a neat thing to say. And uh, what I would finally say in that area is that we need to understand that there's a value proposition that's a little bit different than what the world is selling. The world wants to sell you the value proposition that a college education should get you the best paying job on the other side. And that's what people care about. That's what they want out of a college education. You didn't make that choice because you're here. <laughs> and you know that. You didn't come here because this is the, the education that's going to lead you to the best paying job. You came here because there's a different value proposition, didn't you? You came here because you're investing not in this kingdom, but in that one right? Because you care more about his kingdom than this kingdom. And that is so important. And I want you to see the value of that. God's put you here on this earth for a very short time. Your life is a vapor and it's already a fifth of a way over at least. Some of the others of us are looking at that going, oh, a lot shorter than that, okay? You're going in terms of the way I want to spend my life, and then what I want to see for the rest of eternity, this is the value proposition I'm after because I believe that what God has said is true and that I could gain this whole world and lose my soul and it would benefit nothing. So therefore, we operate by a different value proposition. You're not here because you want to earn a lot of money on the flip side. You're here because you believe that God has called you and he has redeemed you and he has saved you and he has loved you so dearly that you are his child and that therefore your life is his and that your life matters and that it counts for eternity. That's the value proposition you're living by and I'm excited about that. Uh, more on that in a second. So as a Bible college president and as the board of directors, um, this is the... the place we find ourselves in, <laughs> trying to walk a tightrope, because we say, on the one hand, we really want to keep the cost low for the student. We want it to be affordable. On the other hand, we need to pay a living wage to the people who work here. 
they have to be able to survive. Like they really do need to eat and have a house and put clothes on their children and things like that. It's pretty important that we love them as well and take care of them. So what do we do? There really are only a few options if you want to play with the budget. So how do we balance a budget? Number one, we can raise student cost. That's kind of a little sweating face there, like, eh, that feels kind of hard. Number two, we could raise student numbers. Oh, smiley face. That makes it a lot easier. We spread that burden out a lot, okay? You, some of you are just going, uh-huh, light bulb. I know people. Number three, we can increase giving. And that is a wonderful way, and that has a smiley face attached to it. Number four, I can start firing people. That's sad. I don't like that idea. I, I won't even answer. So, I want to talk to you right now about three R words that we do, and this is moving into the strategy side of things. What's the strategy? How do we move this thing forward? Three R's. Number one, recruitment. Number two, retention. Number three, raises. Let's talk about each one in turn. Recruitment. What are we doing? What's our strategy? How do we do this? Number one, we trust in the Lord. We pray. You saw our, I told you about our budget for recruitment. From a human perspective, we should not be able to have this number of students. Do you realize that Moody Northwest over in Spokane is closing at the end of the school year. And I could name for you other Bible colleges that are closing right now. It's a hard time to be a Bible college. Moody Northwest in the last few years, has, they have had student numbers, an incoming class of more than 100 students. Last fall, we had more incoming students than Moody did. And that is not because we have more people out there trying to recruit. I attribute that to God's work in the hearts of people and what he's doing here and the fact that you're here is amazing. And you look at it and you go, well, we're really small. Well, yes, we are, but God likes to do big things with small groups of people. And so I'm not so worried about that. We pray. I would invite you to join us in prayer about that. Pray that God puts it on the hearts of people that he wants to direct here. Some of you have been in my office or with me. Oh, I don't even have my phone in my pocket. Every day at 4.50 p.m., the alarm on my phone goes off. And every day at 4.50 p.m., I pray for prospective students. That's my time. We divided up because we had a goal of 50 students coming in last fall. So all of our staff took different hours on the 50 mark, and we're praying about that. I would encourage you to pray with us. That's not a, that's not a platitude. That's a reality. Number two, we focus on one-year Bible colleges. Why do we do that? Many of you are here because you saw Dan Hovestall on your campus or those things. Why do we do that? Because, number one, students at one-year Bible college have been already, for the most part, they're getting really good, healthy, relational kind of discipleship happening in their lives. That fits missionally with us, with who we are, with where we want to go. So those students tend to fit really well here. Number two... That's already, in a sense, a pre-selected group of students. And we're going, uh-huh, duh. We don't have money to spend sending people all over the creation, beating down the bushes, looking for people who might just happen to be interested in Bible college. We say that's a pre-selected group. They're already there because they already made a choice that was already countercultural. So therefore, 
we go there and God's already working in the hearts and lives of many of those students and many of them then say, man, I need more. I got to get more. And okay, I'm at this one-year school. What next? Where from there? And they say, wow, there's a school that cares about disciple making. That's close to my heart now. There's a school that's affordable. That's something I'm interested in. And so we have a better percentage, if you will, of recruitment um, by going to those schools. So that's one of our main focuses. Strategic relationships are so important. Um, Dan Hovestall was just down in Florida at a Sun Life disciple-making conference. There's over 300 ministry leaders at that conference, all of whom represent larger groups of people, whole churches. Most of them are pastors, youth pastors. They represent whole churches of people, and those churches are disciple-making-hearted churches. So we say that's a group of people that's worth us investing in getting in front of because we care about discipleship like they care about discipleship, and they're in fact saying that we're only one of about two or three colleges that they will let even come there because of our disciple-making focus. They don't want to just have this big college fair there. They want to see students coming in this direction. That's sweet, okay? So we're, we're there. We go to the creation conference that's... Um, Indiana, where, why am I blanking? Kentucky. Um, so we, we are represented there because, again, we find an affinity among churches who have a similar stance as we do. And so we find strategic relationships like that to be important. Susan was just down in Idaho over last weekend developing one of those strategic relationships with the University Bible Church near the campus of um, Idaho State, right? And um, that's so significant. There's a church that's strategic for us to develop that with. Number four on this list, web and social media stuff. Obviously, some people find out about Bible college through internet. Just out of show of hands, how many of you, your first exposure to NBC was internet? Okay, so roughly maybe 25% of you, something like that. And um, that's important. Praise God, um, just over Christmas break, we were given a gift by a donor to give us the money to spend so that we can completely redevelop NBC's website and make it a lot better than it is. That's pretty sweet. We've just signed on to the contract with the company who's going to help us do that. Austin's overseeing that process on our end. And by, the, about, by about May, we should have a brand new redeveloped website here. That's cool. And we're so thankful that a donor can recognize the value of that from a recruitment standpoint for the college. And obviously, social media is important. You guys can play a big role in recruitment by simply mentioning Montana Bible College and the things that are going on in your life and the good work that God is doing in your life on social media as you're on it normally. So that's something you can do. Then there's academic program development. We're working on the youth ministry and outdoor discipleship program. We added the youth ministry component into there, partly because we, re we needed to expand that out a little bit. We're working on the missions concentration, and some of you know that by next fall we get to roll out that brand new set of redesigned classes and so forth, it's going to be better than it ever was before. That's exciting. So that we work on academic programs to make those things um, better than ever, a higher quality for you. And then in addition to that, we're also researching and doing some looking into different options whereby we might do some credit transfer kinds of agreements for students who only come here, say, for one year, or maybe we'll develop a um, associate's degree that would be like a two-year degree, and then a student could transfer out of here into a technical college or out of here into an education program, 
so that we expand some degree options for students, we need to stay niche focused. We're not going to start offering biology degrees around here. I'm sorry. But that would, that would be a big mistake for us. We would move off of our mission and, and end up down a road we don't want to go to. And that's part of the reason why other Christian colleges right now, some of them, are closing and struggling because they've gotten too broad. And now when that thing shrinks back in a little bit, there's, there's too much infrastructure and personnel and all that, and they can't handle it, and it kills them. So we need to stay niche-focused, but we could do that and still provide some opportunities for transfer-out stuff for students who aren't going to be here for a four-year full um, bachelor's degree that leads to vocation. So we're looking at some of those things, trying to figure that out. I hope you're hanging with me, but uh, you, what do you mean, you? You, I mean you, you are the best recruiters in many ways for this college by you simply sharing what God's doing in your life with family, with friends. Many of you have siblings, many of you have cousins, many of you have friends in, in a youth group back in a home church someplace. That is something you can do that makes an incredible difference. I want to ask now this by show of hands, how many of you are here because of a friend or family member, somebody who also influenced you to come to Bible college. Look around really quick. Just so you know, that's a higher number than the internet, okay? And I'm not disparaging the internet in that I'm just saying we understand the value of that. It's a huge value in terms of you being an active participant in that. So that's the R of recruitment. Now we move on to retention quickly. How am I doing on time? We're okay, we're moving. Right now, here's how retention works in a school. If we started with 40 freshmen, and some of those because they're one-year certificate students and so forth, don't come back and they fulfill that. Now we drop down to 25 sophomores, and this is not very great numbers, but I'm just using them for the purposes of this. Um, some of you get, you know, whatever, married and jobs and all this, and you drop down again, and we drop down to 15. That still ends up, if they were all full-time students, at, we would have 100 FTE. Now, we need 80 five to be balancing our budget right now. So you see really quickly how that can build pretty fast and easily. Where are we right now? Currently, this semester, we have 32 part-time students and 49 full-time students, and then a number of auditors people besides, and I'm not counting them for this purpose because they're not seeking a degree. There are 39 of you classified as freshmen, and that's because some of you came from one-year schools and haven't quite got over the credit hump yet to be counted as sophomores, so that number is just a little bit higher than it would be, but um, that's where it is, so some of those will bump into sophomore status very quickly. Um, we have 15 sophomores, 12 juniors, 15 in senior status. The Mo's are mostly part-timers because you know we're not quite graduating 15 of you this year. What's the number, Gail? Is it eight? That's what I thought. So eight of you are graduating this year in that senior status, okay? That's where we're at right now. Uh, Dan Hovestall was just here last week, and he met with all of you who are first-year students. And of all the number he had met, in fact, I don't know the final number because there was like five more that Tasha was going to follow up with, so I don't have the final. He said about 21 of the 28 that he talked to said they're planning to come back next year. That's good. I'm glad to hear that. In fact, we love all of you, and those who aren't coming back, we still have plans to hogtie you and keep you here. <laughs> um, we don't want to let you go because we love you. 
but we recognize God has other things in different people's lives, and that's okay. That's a good thing. So right now we're sitting at 65 full-time equivalent based on the part-time, full-time thing because they're not all full-time. What would it take to see that number increase? Not a lot, honestly. If we can just hold steady in recruitment of where we're at and then retain students. Um, retention is big. Now, what do we do to impact retention? Obviously, if students were very unsatisfied and grumbling and feeling like this was a terrible place to be, that would be a bad thing for recruitment purposes, or retention, I mean. So a few things that we have done. Just this year, um, discipleship labs, starting last year, have become now two credits. That was something that was bothering some students because it felt like, why am I paying for one credit when it seems like a lot and in such a focus, and why isn't that? So we got that fixed, and we got that to two credits for all of those classes. And um, I heard a lot of positive student feedback about that. You were grateful that that happened. That's good. That's a, that makes a positive impact in a retention setting. Um, right now, this is something that some of you probably don't even know yet. Our academic committee, just a couple of weeks ago, after the beginning of this semester already, um, made the decision that um, freshman course workload is going to decrease around here a little bit. Um, some of you are like, oh my goodness, that's good news. Here's the reason. We hear from a lot of students um, comments like, that was so hard, I don't think I'll ever do that again. It was, it's difficult. We understand that our education is a, a cut above other schools. If, you, if any of you have gone to other colleges previous to this, I think it's almost, I, I maybe could say 100%, maybe there's an exception somewhere, a universal statement that NBC was harder academically than other schools. And a lot of, I mean, you have a sister, I, you just nodded at me, I'd be like, yeah. You're comparing your workload over at MSU, right? And you're going, man, she gets off easy. Um, my experience, I did all my gen eds at MSU. I thought those classes were cakewalk compared to NBC classes. So... Part of that is to say we want to have a solid education because the, on the flip side of that, our students who go on to vocational ministry, our students who go on to pursue graduate education, they get to graduate school, and you know what they say? No big deal, just like NBC. <laughs> they get there and they go, I was well prepared. I was ready for that. They go out to vocational ministry and they say, I'm ready for ministry. So we want that. We want a, a, a difficult education in that sense that really does train you well. But we also recognize we don't want to kill you either. <laughs> the normal like hour and a half outside of class for every hour in class for the freshman level classes for next year will be reduced to one hour outside of class for every hour in class. What that means for you as a student, if you're a freshman, which none of you will be next year, sorry, um, means that they would have an eight hour per week reduction in homework, basically, is what that translates to, okay? Some of you are like, oh, I came a year too early. Um, the good news for those of you who are staying is that we're also very aware of that, and, and Gail, as the academic dean, is very aware and, and seeking just to make sure that course workload in general does match what it says it needs to be. And so that's something he's keeping tabs on, and he works with individual instructors to try to make that happen. So um, you can tell him how we're doing in that gently and lovingly as we go along. Um, that's something that we do care about for you and something we're working on. 
Um, the degree workload is something else. Um, Montana Bible College's bachelor's degree right now has 133 credits in it. You have to have 120 to be at a bachelor's level to offer a degree. Most bachelor's programs, I've done a bunch of surveys of a bunch of colleges, most are in the 124 to 128 range. 128 was the highest I found. We were at 133. So we had a heavy bachelor's program. And again, we were doing that as a way to, to work hard at that. However, we've also identified some areas where we saw some, some overlap between classes, some things that we could reduce a little bit, and we're actually moving that down towards that 128 mark as we move forward in here. So um, some of you want to move into a new catalog next year or as you declare a degree concentration, you're going to notice that a couple of classes are going to reduce from three credits to two credits. And there's going to be, um, I think, one class that we're just eliminating. And that's okay. That's a good thing so that we can work on that area. Um, that's driven by retention. The atmosphere around here is so important. That's why we care about who serves as RAs. That's why we give training and try to do that really well. That's why we have deans of students who are actively engaged with you guys. That's why there's activities that are happening. That's why there's banquets that happen. That's why I preached a sermon in chapel just about a week ago about what? Unity. And by the way, thank you so much to all of those of you who wrote, I will, on a piece of paper and put that. If you still want to do that, it's not too late. You can do that anytime. Put that in there. I, I just received another yesterday. It's such a blessing to me, to my heart, to see how many of you responded in that way. Um, I'm so thankful for that. That's a big part of this. And then program offerings that I already mentioned, like um, additional things that could transfer out and so forth in our niche. That's something that also will impact retention. Because if more of you were saying, okay, this is where God's leading in my life, and I see a way for me to stay here another year or two years in order to be discipled further and do that, and then still be able to transfer out and get a, a, actually have a credit transfer agreement with a place where I can bring my credits with me and secure that. If we can accomplish that, that would be really cool for a lot of students, and we would disciple them further and so forth. So pray. Pray for success. I mean, that one's kind of riding on Gail's shoulders as our academic dean. He's had to be making inquiries and having meetings and such. So pray for that, success of that, that those kinds of opportunities can come about. Um, I put down here two things with question marks. These are things that we're talking about and looking at. We're taking a kind of an exploratory trip to Israel this year at the end of the school year with mostly our staff, with some of our alumni board and so forth. That's something that many people would like to see happen. A lot of you would go, wow, if in my senior year I could go to Israel, that would be really cool. But I can tell you right now, I've done the math, it would basically impact you $20 per credit hour if you wanted to just pay for it all the way through. So you get to your senior year, you don't have to do any fundraising. You just get there and it's paid for. That money's like been building up in your account as you've been taking credits here and you'd have to pay $20 a credit more in order to make that happen. So is that worth it to you guys? That's a discussion we really need to have and figure out how we do that. And um, Bible software, some of you in applied Bible study methods just heard my spiel about that this morning for a couple of minutes, but that would impact you far less, about $5 a credit hour if we wanted to do that and say we provide this for our students. And yet it could be a benefit. So we're wrestling through those things. I don't know the answers on those yet. Raises, um, number one, staff. Um, this is a graph that I'm not proud of. This is inflation. This is our staff salary increases over the last 10 years. 
Okay, we're not keeping up. That bothers me. As the president of this school, that bothers me. That means our staff have less buying power today than they did 10 years ago is what that means. Okay, they're going backwards. That doesn't sit well with me. I don't think that's right. I don't think it should be that way. Um, our staff are working hard. They're frugal people. Um, they live on tight budgets, and it especially hits the younger staff who have young families and children, and they don't have 30 years of working history behind them and some things built up. That really hits them hard. And Bozeman, as you know, is a tough place to live in terms of cost of living. It's a very expensive place to live, and that makes it doubly hard for staff members. So that's something I think we need to change. We need to do something about that. What do we do? Um, by the way, I just want, I want you to know that that's not to make you feel guilty as a student. I, I hope what that does make you feel is loved, that you realize that these people care so much about the job that they have that they're willing to take a lower-paying job than they could otherwise secure. All of these people are highly qualified. They have degrees and all. They could go out and get higher-paying jobs than what we're giving them. So they're not in it for the money. They're in it because they care about this school, the mission of what God's giving them to do. So I um, am working on that. We are planning a 3% raise salary increase for all of our staff and faculty this coming year, and that's built into that budget, those budget figures you saw earlier. Um, we just said as the board, we said we have to do this. We have to make a budget work and still try to take care of our people. That's not enough in my mind. I need to do more, but we are going to have to ease into that because we can't jump it all at once. So that's a part of it. Students, and here's the part where you go, gulp, oh no, they're going to raise my tuition. Yes, we are. Um, let me just tell you how it's going to work. Next semester, starting in the fall, um, we're moving from 220 to $240 a credit hour. I'll tell you how that impacts you in a second. And housing for singles will move from 1500 to 1600 a semester. So here's the deal. Here's what it looks like. Right now this year, no scholarships or anything. Add everything up, including food, books, fees, housing, tuition, all of that. You're at 11940 Next year, it would be at 12780 And that means 16 to 18 credits. Remember there's that block? You get numbers 17 and 18 for free. It's a really good deal. Take advantage of that. Um, that's, that's where that lands, which is an $840 increase to you. I know exactly what that means. Um, we're we're <laughs> very careful. I, I know what this is going to impact you. It's $840. If that means you're going to work for that, if you're going to get $840 at $12 per hour, that equals 70 hours worth of work that you have to do to come up with that amount of money. If you divide 70 hours over the 32 total weeks of of a full academic year, 16 weeks per semester, then that means you need to work two hours and 10 minutes every week more in order to pay that. Something we're doing to offset that and help you is on the scholarship side of things. We have also increased the church matching scholarship from $500 a year to $750 a year, which means if you get the church plus the college doing $750, that goes from $1,000 to $1,500, meaning a $500 increase for the year. That takes the $840 down to $340. At $12 an hour, that's 28 hours. 28 hours over 32 weeks, it's a little less than an hour of work every week that that impacts you. Um, that's one thing we're working on. That scholarship money, we've already designated and set aside from some large gifts that came in 
from donor people to be able to do that and set aside that money. And we're trusting God that he's going to continue to provide that. And so we're working hard on the scholarship side of it. I'll tell you more about that in a minute. The last thing that we need to raise are the numbers of donors and how we can help people partner with the college and do that. So how are we doing that? Right now we're working with the Murdoch Charitable Trust to um, put in a grant. We've already submitted it. We have a site visit coming up on March 6th, which is coming up shortly. It's actually our day of prayer. I would appreciate you praying about that on that day. We have the representative for the Murdoch Foundation coming here. This grant would fund for us the hiring of a development person, a person. We've never had that kind of person before here, and that's partly why we have been stunted in the ability to see people help give. Um, we would like to hire that person. That grant would help us do that for three years. Yikes, I'm running out of time. This is going to be fast. Win-win. When churches give, I just said this, or individuals, either way, if you gave $83 a month, that equals $1,000 a year, so 20 times 1,000 is $20,000 impact. It's, it doesn't have to be a huge amount. Individual people can do the same thing. By the way, it's really cool. It's happening. I just got a call on my phone yesterday from a church, and the pastor left me a voicemail, and he said, hey, just wanted you to know we were just in a meeting with our church, and we want you to know that we want to start supporting the college every year with financial giving for scholarships. Just yesterday. And we had another church just not too long ago. And we had another individual not too long ago. Right over Christmas break, we had an individual that's actually an alum of MBC who is now 20 years down the road and his kids are off in college. And he said, it's time for me to start giving back. I'm giving $200 a month to the Bible college to help that start to happen. See, God is raising up those people and they are out there. God's putting it on people's hearts. So that's exciting. Um, alumni are people that we can look to as well, and then people who believe in the mission of the college. That's, those are the things we're working on. And I'm out of time. I said questions are welcome, so here's the deal. Questions are going to have to be welcome over lunch, 